Hello, everybody. It's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of my Language Facilitation Helpline podcast. The information in this show is designed to equip and empower parents to take action today. The strategies and advice provided here are general and not intended to replace personalized consultation. If you want individual coaching and advice, you should visit wavesofcommunication.com to learn how to work with me as a client. Most importantly, the strategies and advice provided here are general and not intended to replace personalized consultation. Welcome to another video. My name is Marcy Melzer and I am an intuitive speech and language pathologist and language facilitation consultant. And today I am going to be providing seven tips to correct common language facilitation mistakes. So instead of calling out all the problems, what I decided to do is focus this video on tips, way, things that you can think about moving forward in your day with your child that will help keep you on track. And they'll call out those little mistakes that happen. And they happen to everybody. Everybody makes mistakes as they're doing language facilitation because it's a complex thing. And these seven tips, actually, I have a bonus eighth tip at the end, are going to be able to help, like I said, keep you on track. Without further ado, let's get into these tips. Tips. So the number one tip that you could do that you should keep in mind as you're facilitating through your day is when you find yourself guessing what your child wants. So this happens with every single parent of a late talking child. They're all nonverbal. They're all using lots of nonverbal communication. They might, it might be anywhere from very specific things like taking your hand and putting it on the cookie jar if they want a cookie or um, looking at you sideways to know they want a cookie, right? Because you get to know with your late talking child, if you're caring for them 24 seven, what those little things mean and the only way you know consistently what to give your child is by guessing so when you, the tip is when you find yourself guessing instead of just complying think in your head what what is my child asking me now and say it out loud. So when your child takes your hand and puts it on the cookie jar, you say, you are asking for a cookie. You want a cookie right now. Not just I want a cookie someday. Your child was urgent and took your hand and put it right on the cookie jar. So make sure that the message that you are guessing, you say out loud, not just with the right words, you want a cookie, but also with the same level of emotion that your child is communicating. Because language is a lot more, and our sounds and our nonverbal communication communicates a lot more than just, I want a cookie. Why does your child want a cookie? They're hungry, right? Because, or they want a snack, or they're bored, or whatever reason. You are guessing that reason. 
If you decide to give your child a cookie, you must agree with that reason. They're hungry. They would want a snack. I've got a snack. I'll give it to them. If you don't want to give your child a cookie when they put their hand on the thing, then you still know the message, but maybe you don't agree. And instead of saying the message out loud that your child is trying to communicate as a language facilitator, you might make the mistake and just stay in your own head of, oh, he wants a cookie. I'm going to give him a cookie. And then the cookie arrives without you doing any language facilitation. So that's the mistake. The tip is when you guess it, say it. Say it out loud exactly what your child wants you to know because they're communicating non-verbally the entire message with all the energy and emotion that they are communicating. If it's a t excuse me. Excuse me. So if it's a tantrum, you know, that you see as their behavior and that means I am angry because you took the iPad away or I'm angry because you won't give me the iPad or whatever, instead of letting your child deal with that thing yourself and you standing there guessing or even talking to other people. Oh, he's mad because of this or he's angry or you're thinking in your head. Well, I know he wants iPad and he's upset about that, but I'm not going to give it. And you're concentrating on your own response to that communication and not on the communication itself. So when you see it, say it. That's the first tip, okay? It's a big one. That's a big one. All right. The next tip that I have is to keep flexible in your activities, okay? Many parents who have lay talking kids tend to set up their life from sun up to sundown. They set it up in a way that is easier to get through. It's not maybe as, it's more efficient, right? It's very efficient because you have to get done what you have to get done and you set up your life that way. And if your child is late talking and in this moment you don't want to spend time to facilitate language because it's easier to just get the job done, right? So that's what happens. A lot of times parents will just set up the situation so they don't have to facilitate language so that they already know what their kids want. Their kids don't even have to non-verbally communicate. Every day at 2, we eat, so the food always arrives at 2. You prepare the food, you cook the food, you talk about the food, you plan the menu in your head. All of that stuff happens without your child, right? So tip number two is to be flexible in what you're planning and include your child in those plans. And when you include your child in your plans, they always take longer. It, uh, you Things get wrecked because you're letting your child try. You're letting them watch you when they're not able to do that thing or you're letting them participate and you're actually coaching your child through that circumstance instead of planning it, setting it up, whatever. Here's a common situation I see often in parents who have late talkers who have trouble with um, eating. They don't want to eat and they use eating and video time as manipulation. They use eating to get video time or they use videos to eat food. So um, parents freak out when kids don't like to eat food. So they will do whatever they have to do to get the food inside the child. And because they don't want to force the child to eat, they distract them with video. 
that's a good example of one of those things. This is another opportunity that you are missing to facilitate, excuse me, to facilitate functional language because your child is doing something. They're dealing with food. They're messing with it. They have to cut it. They have to scoop it. They have to put it in a thing. If they're using their hands to eat, whatever, they have to do something and get the food to their mouth. And your mission for this time period is not for your child to get through an episode of Peppa or of their favorite videos. Your mission, your intent for this period of time is for your child to eat their food right? But when you focus on just making sure the food gets in there, you're missing the fact about talking about eating the food. So the strategy is keep your schedule flexible enough that your child can be involved in the preparation, the execution, and the cleanup of everything you do together. So you're not structuring stuff and leaving it, and then you're calling your child over to engage with you, and then they leave and you clean up the mess. You're missing the opportunity to teach your child how to do that skill independently. What they need, the materials they need, the environment, how you have to set up the environment, all of those processes to get that activity done are language learning opportunities. Remember, with language facilitation, we're not teaching a list of vocabulary. Most of your children in one way or another, either from videos or therapy, or you asking questions or teaching them stuff, they know the basics. They know what a lot of things are called, right? They know what their labels are, but they don't know how to use those labels in real language. And getting through your day, involving your child in the activities of your every day, that's when you get the opportunity to talk about, give me the, put it in, I want more, before you say blue train, right? I want more of that. I want to talk about it. And when you involve your child in, if we want to play trains today, where are the trains? Let's gather the trains. Look at the colors of these trains. I want the blue train. You get the red train. These trains are, your train's bigger than mine. My train is faster than yours. All of that talking about the trains before you even get to the train table can happen unless you are doing all of it yourself. So that's the tip. Involve your child in everything and be flexible because if they decide that they want to take the trains away from the train table and play on the kitchen table and that's okay with you, be flexible. If they don't want to do flashcards today or tomorrow or the next day or the next day, be flexible enough to find other ways to teach your child. When you're in control of the situation and thinking about your intent and what's in your mind, it's going to be even more challenging for you to get your child to buy in to what you want to teach them. This flexibility allows you to be with your child to watch them more, to see what they know. Does he know what is required? Does he know this? I don't know. So you don't know either until you give your child the opportunity to try to do it with you. So be flexible with your activities and involve your child in everything. First, to last, okay? More and more people are joining. Hello, everybody who's joining me live. Don't forget, this is a live Q&A, and if you have a question about these strategies today or about your child, go ahead and put them in the comments. All right, moving on to number three. 
Now, this is a real common situation that happens with parents who start language facilitation. I tell every parent that they need to talk two to three hours a day. Like kids who need who are late talking need to hear two to three hours of targeted language facilitation every day to make change. Now, sometimes parents forget to leave space between those language models. And they get the impression that if two to three hours a day is great, maybe 12 to 15 hours a day will be even better. But the tip here is you must leave space between the things that you're saying, both during the activity. So if you're giving your child a bath and you're talking about the bath time, you want to say little phrases with space in between to allow your child's brain to process the information that you're giving them. Remember, the task we're doing here is training your child's brain to listen and process language more easily than it does right now. And the language facilitation models you're providing all are training it. That's why we need two to three hours a day because we have to get a lot of training. But remember, in between training time, you also need rest to let the muscle of your brain process, recover, and get ready to learn the next time. If it's exhausted from constant exposure, 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 it's not going to be able to be more effective the next time you're want, going to want to teach. So this tip is to leave space, both between the sentences you're saying in one activity and in between your activities. Your child should have independent time where they're playing on their own, even if they're in your vicinity. Not watching video, but playing with toys and keeping themselves entertained. They don't have to be alone. They can play with other people, but they need to be not expected to be listening and focused and following directions and doing what you say and doing it my way. They have to be allowed to play independently on their own because when your child takes all those language models that you gave them during all those other activities we just talked about as they follow you through your day watching you do laundry wash dishes brush teeth take a bath ride in the car through all those things that you say in the spaces your child starts thinking about that and what happens in the space is that your child matches all the movies the nonverbal images that are rolling around in their brain and they start to match it with the soundtrack that you have provided with your language models throughout your day. The They already know, like I said, they already know the names of things. And when they're watching their videos now, they watch a video of a whole big scene and they think one word. Baby, water, outside, bye-bye. And they're thinking about the whole scenario of when they were outside with the baby watching water. Right. And they're thinking about that whole thing. But after you do language facilitation, while you're outside playing with the baby in the water and you've told the whole story, then when your child is on their own, remembering that 
fun time while they're playing with their baby doll inside, for example, or they're in the bathtub with water instead of outside. And you start talking about those things again, or your child is playing in water on their own and you're not talking about everything, you know, throwing lots of language at them. You're giving space. They can remember babies in the water in the bathtub. And it's just like when the baby was in the water outside and they start to put those connections together. And that's what builds the language processing system because the auditory processing system relates the words to the meanings and all of that. But it becomes real language when they learn multiple meanings for words and that babies are everywhere. And this baby doll that I call baby is just one plastic thing. And all those other crying ones that are around me are also babies. They have these little aha moments, right? in the space between when you are talking to them. So the mistake is to provide too much language exposure. You need to give your child space, use it properly, the right words, the right way, at the right time. That's what language facilitation is. And when you do it, give space in between. That's the next tip. All right. These tips are brilliant. By the way, if you follow these tips just in your everyday, you are going to see a change in your child very quickly because these little tweaks that you're, that you can make in your life will help any parent of any child who's late talking, no matter what, because all of these tips that I'm talking about involve you to be in the zone and engage with your child and know what they're thinking. You can't guess what they want without trying to get in their head a little bit. You can't. That's what you as parents are super good at. And all of these strategies, all seven of these, uh, involve some level of you getting into their mental space and understanding what your child says. That's the key to all of language facilitation success, no matter what. You're always thinking about what is my child thinking from their perspective. You'll see the consistency in all these strategies. All right, let's move on then. We've got number, let's see. Um, oh, Nagin. Oh, Nagendra, that's a great question. I'm going to take a break and answer that question because she says, does story reading help in language facilitation? Ooh, that is a super good question. And you know what? There is a strategy behind it that I want to tell you, and I'm going to get to that right at the end of this. But thank you for your question. I know it's live. And those of you watching on the replay, I tend to get a little bit scattered. But my bonus tip is going to explain why that happens. Let's get back on track. All right, everybody. Moon one, two, three, number four which is actually related to this question. That's why it's kind of a good thing to be now. And the tip here is to be a model for other people in your life who are also exposing your child to language. Now, some parents who start following my strategies, they find such success that they want to impose their language facilitation onto other people. They want to make the child's ABA therapist do it. They want to make the nanny do it. They want to make their husband do it. They want to make their kids do it. They want to make everybody do it. Because again, what I talked about before, the more language exposure your child gets, the better, the faster this language processing system will go. So when parents, a mom especially, 
realize shout out to all you moms i love you all because i know you care so much you will do literally anything to help your kids and that's why you're watching this video so shout out to all of you by the way like this video and subscribe to my channel because there's more there's more tips every single week for you to learn more all right so that's it now you might watch a video and you start working a strategy and it works great for you and you want everybody in your life to do that right it can be a mistake because the reality is everybody communicates in a different way and the way you have figured out how language facilitation works for your child in your little zone because you've gotten connected like i talked about you've gotten in that zone if you connected with your child you're the one who knows how to guess what they want other people can't guess as well as you because they're not the mom it just is that way. It just is. So what happens in this strategy, the way you do it is that you make sure that you are modeling for other people how you talk to your child and you let them learn by watching you. You don't tell them how to do it. You don't tell them to read my book. What I tell families is find that video, that one video that worked for you. That one strategy video, maybe it's this one, that got you your aha moment of, I can figure this out. I can teach my kid. That one thing I said, share that video with the person you want, grandma, dad, auntie, nanny, whoever it is, who you want to learn how to teach your child. Just share the video. And tell them what you did. Just tell them what you did. I watched this video. I started talking to him before he goes to bed. You know, for example, telling story. And this one thing made a big difference. And then don't say you should do it. Just tell them what you did. Because just like you are choosing to watch this video right now to learn from me how to help your child, that person will want to help your child in their way. So you just do like I do with you, provide resources, a wide variety of resources that are going to match with that person's learning. And that's what you do. And the easiest way to see it in action is to invite that person to join you in one of your language facilitation activities. For example, laundry, my, one of my favorites. There's a ton of things you can talk about with laundry. You do it all the time. It's a repetitive thing. Invite the person you say, look, I watched this video. I learned how to do laundry language facilitation. I want you to just come watch what I do. You don't have to get involved if you don't want. I just want you to see because tell them you're excited that it's working and you want to show off to them and let them know what you do and tell, ask them what they think. Tell them you want them to critique you even in your process and see, look, I'm doing this. What do you think? Do you think this is working, right? And when you have someone critique you or watch you doing it, then they're going to pick up what they want. They're going to pick up the parts that you do that match with who they are, just like what I say on these videos. I'm going to do seven tips. Some of them might relate to you. Some of them might not. You're going to pick the ones that match for you. So will the other person. They'll choose the strategies that they like. And then you say, if you want to learn more, here's a playlist on Marcy's YouTube channel. Here's the book to read. Here's whatever. But let them see what you are doing before you offer them resources to learn on their own. Because just like I can't force you to be a language facilitator, all I can do is let you know what works and encourage you to try it on your own. That's the attitude you want to have with anybody else. So even if you're in 
my program and working with me and <clears throat> my coaching is brilliant for you. I never, never, never tell a parent to go share my plan and tell people they've got to do what they do at home because language facilitation is a parent-driven philosophy. It comes from this connection you have with your child and no one else has the same connection with your child that you do. They just can't do it. Even if you tell them and they're the kindest person and they want to try the best, you're asking them to do what they can't do. They can't get in the zone, the resonant zone with your child. A really good teacher, a really good intuitive therapist like me, I could get in the zone with a child when we were there. I was there in the moment for my 20 minutes a day, right? But that's not enough. Kids have to have two to three hours every single day of somebody in their zone facilitating language for them. And I can't come live with each one of you. And that's not my life anyway. Besides, I can't get in your child's zone when they're waking up in the middle of the night, you know, with a tantrum or, you know, any of that. It does. You have to learn. You just have to learn how to do this yourself. So be a model for other people, but take responsibility and take responsibility for the whole thing. Other people, the good news is you are training your child not to learn just from you. This language facilitation teaches your child to listen so they will independently learn from other people. And the amazing thing about language facilitation is once you get your child listening to you, they will initiate getting other people to talk to them. They will prompt other people to start providing language models for them. They'll do it their way. They'll give them little bits. They'll start to encourage them. And people will step up. Most will. Teachers will. Family members will. People who love your child, they will. They will step up because you're teaching your child how to learn language and they want to learn it. So they're going to go. They're going to try to learn from everybody. They're going to try to learn from everybody. Okay, next one is an easy one. Not having fun with the activities, right? That's the mistake. The trick is, of course, to have fun. That's why my book is called If It Isn't Fun, It Isn't Fun. Teach your child to talk faster than therapy, right? Because... If it isn't fun for your child, it isn't fun. So you can make everything fun. You don't have to be a clown. You don't have to be over-the-top Tony Robbins cheerleader, right? Success is fun. Doing something, accomplishing something together, doing better than you did yesterday, that's fun. Especially for a child who struggles with something like communication and parents who struggle with late-talking kids. Seeing a little better day tomorrow, a little bit easier way to get through your day, a little bit nicer exchange, not fighting about things anymore, that's fun. It doesn't have to be over the top. So if you are a quiet mom or dad, it's okay for you to be quietly very intense with your language facilitation. Come on, let's play. It, because when you're in the zone... You can do language facilitation as your child's falling asleep. That's not high energy. It's high intensive zone. It's very, very effective. Super, super effective right before you go to sleep to do language facilitation and right when you wake up because your child's already in the zone and feeling very receptive. When you're doing fun things like running around in water and talking about the water and talking about how fun it is, your child's going to be there. Now, a lot of things in life are not very fun for your child. Maybe they don't like haircutting. Maybe they don't like 
like teeth brushing, water. They, they want to stay inside or go outside all the time and not be in. You know, all those things that happen that are not very fun in life. When you teach your child that there are boundaries, there are rules, and that they you're not taking their fun away forever, they will be able to go out again. They will be able to have the iPad again. They will be able to have chocolate cake again sometime. But let's concentrate on enjoying this moment right now. Having fun right now, not struggling, and then someday I'll have fun when I'm outside again. So instead of saying to your child, I know you're sad, you can't go out, tomorrow you'll go out again, deal with it, you can say, I know you're sad about not going outside, let's find something to make you happy, okay? And find something to make your child happy. Because I know you're sad and deal with it is one way to handle it, of course. And does it teach a kid to have grit and do whatever? Yeah. But it also teaches a creative child to break rules. Because that's what a dictator does. Deal with it. End of. Language facilitators teach kids how to negotiate. Because that's a communication skill. And kids who learn to negotiate... Sometimes they win. They get to go the extra five minutes of iPad time or come in or go out an extra day or have a treat or whatever sometimes. But then other times they learn, nope, I lost this negotiation. Somebody else who has more authority over me created these boundaries that we have to live in. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Teaching your child those negotiation skills Letting them know when they win. You win. You talked me into it. You can go out one more time because it's we won't have a beautiful day like this for very long. Winter's coming, blah, 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 right? Your cousin's only in town for one weekend. Uh, we just got this bonus one time. Let's have an extra Sunday. You know, whatever. It's a temporary fun thing. You talk about why that event is so cool right now and that it's special. And that way, you can have a special time again. But sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do. We have to go brush teeth. We have to do those things. You have to make those things tolerable, fun, reasonable, useful, and you negotiate. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. When you teach your child how it goes, that sometimes they lose and they deal with it, they'll lose a lot easier. Because we all do sometimes. We can't always get what we want, right? It always happens. And most of the time, we lose something. It's out of our control, right? We run out of money because we lost our job. We run out of food because you ate it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? These things happen in our lives that cause disappointment 24-7. Smart language facilitators use those moments of disappointment to teach their children more language and work on negotiation skills. That's an amazing tip that will give you tons more language facilitation time that is certainly valuable for your child because the things they want to learn most is how to get what they want and how to tell you they don't want to do what they don't want to do. That's from birth. They start doing that with crying and screaming, right? You want to evolve it. Turn it into language. Make it in the negotiation that it is. You know, turn it into it. Use the language. You can do this as parents. All right. The next thing is to honor, the next tip is to honor your own needs and fun instead of sacrificing your own needs and fun for your child's needs and fun. 
This is a big issue that sometimes happens with parents and they forget to take care of themselves. They forget to sleep. They forget to eat. They forget to take showers. They forget to sleep, you know, all of that stuff because they're concentrating 100%, 150%, 200%. Your cup is empty, right? You can't, you're exhausted from it. That's when language facilitation is no longer effective. It's not effective for you. It's not effective for your child. And that's when mindset traps fall in, when you get in these traps about that. So the way you do this, the way you overcome this is always checking yourself. Honor yourself. Am I okay? Are my needs being met? Am I eating? Am I sleeping? And if not, if that's not happening now, you have to get over the fact that you have to make that happen. You have to sleep. You have to eat. You have to be well. You have to feel nice. You have to have fun. Because if these needs, basic needs, aren't met in you, you will not be effective for your child. Because subconsciously, you will feel resentment. And that resentment will and it cause you to be less effective with your strategies. And then when you are less effective with your strategies, your child will make less progress. And that's going to make you be more angry or frustrated or upset with yourself. And then you're going to dig in and work harder and get less sleep and eat less. And the spiral goes downward. Okay? That's a very common mistake. Mindset traps are no joke. They will take you down the sewer of, I have no idea what to do and my kid's never going to talk. In a heartbeat, in a conversation, you can make that kind of shift. Depending on how old your child is, depending on what triggered you, okay? Lots of things trigger parents of late-talking kids. There is so much going on about social media. Everybody's triggered. Everybody. So the most important thing for this strategy to check on yourself. And if you live alone and you don't have anyone who's checking in on you, then put it in your calendar that you will get a babysitter or teach your kids how to, you know, this water fun day, mommy gets a glass of wine or, you know, whatever. You have to make sure. You have to put in your, don't lose sleep. Don't pour one bucket out of another bucket. You, if you got to empty buckets, all you, you'll end up emptying this bucket and then empty this bucket and then empty this bucket and then empty this bucket. You'll go through them all until you have no buckets left and you're a puddle on the floor. It happens a lot. And it can happen in a day and you wake up in the morning and you're all fired up and it can be happening by the evening. So the trick about this is to make sure that you are cared for. Make sure that you're cared for. And nobody takes better care of you than you. All right. I have to learn this lesson a lot myself. I have to learn this lesson a lot myself. We are all humans. We are all, when we're passionate about doing something, we will sacrifice ourselves for, it, especially women. I know it's a standard thing. Own yourself. Never give up your power, <clears throat> your power or your fun. Never give it up.
Sometimes things are not very fun in the moment, but you always look back on those times and laugh. You think about some of the biggest struggles you had in your life, you know, stuck in a rainstorm, soaking wet, whatever. You lived through that thing. You learned something from it. Now you can look back and smile and remember, yeah, it wasn't very fun, but I'm so strong. I can live through even that thing. I can live through even that issue, even that hardest thing that broke me in that moment. You can know that you have what it takes to get through even the hardest thing you've ever endured because here you are, right? You are amazing language facilitators. You can be, you will be when you decide to be, okay? And you look after yourself. All right. So one, two, three, four, five, six was honoring your needs. And the last one, which is the most important tip for, I think, every language facilitator parent is... Make sure that you are making the shift to focusing your efforts on helping your child listen. Your work as a language facilitator is training the auditory and language processing system of your child's brain that is underdeveloped. That's what's going on in their brain to cause them to be late talking now. And the thing that is going to help them decide to become a talker on their own and share their own feelings is when this area is developed. And the science all proves that it is listening to functional language models that is what's required for a child to develop unprompted language not talking not answering questions not labeling not repeating words not saying anything saying words repeating words does not train your child's language processing system listening to spoken language models is what trains this area of the brain. That's why every parent needs to get two to three hours of targeted language facilitation every day. And make sure that your activities, when you talk about I'm going to get two to three hours of language facilitation, are your activities focused on providing language models, which is the right way, or seeing how many words your child can say in that period of time, which is the typical goal for a speech therapist. I used to walk into the session. My goal was how much can I get this kid to talk in this 30-minute, 60-minute, whatever session? That was always my job. I went in with the mindset of pulling words out of a child facilitating, prompting, whatever I could to measure more output on a child. This is the opposite of your focused effort when you are a language facilitator. And when you focus on providing models and facilitating listening instead of facilitating saying words, that's when the progress will start. It only happens then. Because there is a shift that happens in your child when they go from being expected to say the right answer, which is all of what that is. Because remember, every time you're trying to pull words out, you have an idea of what those words are supposed to be. And if the child says it incorrectly, 
then you would be prompted to want to correct them in saying that word. And with language facilitation, none of that happens because all the learning and correction and understanding of how things go has to happen internally. If you have learned a second language, you know how this goes. You have to decide yourself to listen to how people really use the language in a functional situation, in a conversation, before you will try to use the word you learned in class or you heard somewhere, what's the word for this, what's the word for that, what's the word for this, right? Until you heard someone use it in a sentence, in a functional situation, you won't try to use it on your own. And after you do, you will. Because you're like, I know that word. Now I know how to use it. The next time that comes up, my processing system is going to kick in and I'm going to have access to it. The reason that children don't talk who have lots of vocabulary, who understand lots of things, is because they have not heard functional language models. Because everyone talking to them is either asking them a question what is it? They're telling him to do something, say it, or do it, do this. And so what is the child hearing? What is it? Say it. Label this. What is it? They're not even hearing. Or if they're hearing the vocabulary, they're hearing it's a. It's a nose. It's glasses. It's right hand. It's left hand. The boy is walking, right? Those are labels for the things. But then how will a child know how to use, wow, look at that boy walking when they see him outside? Or when you want your child to walk instead of run in the corridor at school, you have to teach them right there in the moment that this is what running is and it's not cool here. It's cool outside, not cool here. Running, not cool here. Running, cool outside. Oh, now I know cool inside, cool outside. Cool means good. Good means, right? Because it's a different way to hear it. And your child is listening to you say those things. In their head, they're processing. You don't have to tell them. You say it like this. I want to go outside because, because that's you guessing what your child should be saying and then trying to get pull it out the same way that you think. It's the opposite of this. That's one of the biggest mistakes that parents make when they're in language facilitation, even the parents who work with me. Because I, t I give them all these fabulous opportunities. Try using bath time. Try using, you know, whatever. And they go in and they start asking their kids questions during these functional activities. They're, they're not providing the language models that their child needs about them. So talk about yourself. Talk about your child. Talk about what you think. Talk about what you know they are thinking. This is how you will move your child forward in using the language that they need. Okay? Now, the first thing I'm going to do is answer this question from Nagendra, which is, hello, does story reading help in language facilitation? So based on what I just said right now and focusing on getting your child to listen to you, story reading can be a good way for your child to hear language models if 
you are reading the story and comparing it to the images that you can see together, okay, in the book. Just reading stories that are arbitrary without images that you know you can share with your child you don't know what's going on in their imagination. It's hard to see. Like you're planting imagination when you talk about dragons and that kind of thing. But again, it's like what I talked about. When you read a story, you're just labeling what you see. The boy is kicking a ball. Look, here's a picture of a boy kicking a ball. And it's different than the kind of language facilitation where we're talking about kicking balls outside and I want to kick and you kick and kick it to me and kick it to him and I don't want to kick, that kind of thing. So when you are reading stories to a child, it's not active, engaged, functional language. It's just listening to you say things. And most of the time when you're just reading a story over and over and over again, your child is just picking out the words that they know, the labels for things, and they are matching it to the image in the photograph. So I've done a whole video about books that you can look for that on my YouTube channel, Nagendra. But my favorite way is to, instead of reading stories out of books, so I'm going to flip this, because like I said, story reading is not my favorite way for language facilitation, but storytelling is an amazing tip for language facilitation. So this is like an extra bonus tip. So instead of just reading the story over and over and over the same way every day, knowing your child's not really listening because they're hearing blah, 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 Peppa, blah, 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 George, blah, 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 ball, because their language processing systems are not developed yet. If they're nonverbal, and you're talking, reading long stories, they're not getting what you're saying. It's not getting in there. Especially think about your child's behavior. If they are looking at every letter while you're reading, that's a different story. But most of you watching me are going to be trying to force your kids to sit and listen to you read stories, which isn't getting in there anyway. But here's my favorite. My favorite, one of my favorite strategies is nighttime story time. You can tell stories about your day, your day that you had with your child. You pick one event that made you smile together when you were in the zone with your child. Silly moment, any moment. Remember when we were watching, um, remember we're, we're, you were taking a bath and we dunked the baby under the water and we laughed about that? I mean, that's the thing. That's the story. Instead of telling stories about abstract things that you have to try to guess what your child is thinking, you were there at bath time. You were there when you did the laundry together. You were there when you played outside in the water. That's what you talk about with your child. Every day before you go to bed, right when they're snuggling into their zone, instead of pulling out books... Talk about what you did. And if you want, if you need an object to bring with you to talk about that thing, you can bring the baby that you had. Here's baby. Remember how we had baby in the bathtub and we had baby outside and now baby's in bed and we can talk about the story about how baby's so nice. That's just one way to use an object to help you get that thing going together. But if you talk about events that your child remembers and smiled with you, they're thinking about the images in their brain and you are saying the soundtrack for it again. Another pro tip about this is during the first activity, bath time, playing water, whatever, film it. 
or even take some snapshots of, of it with your camera and then at story time, instead of getting a book out, get your phone out and look at the pictures of that event and tell the story of that event of your day. That's going to give you fabulous language that your child will want to listen to because it's their story, right? You can't pick a better subject than you and your kids. And you talk about how fun you had, how much fun you had, all of that stuff. All right, so see, nine people are watching me. Remember, if you haven't hit the like button, hit the like button. Even if you're watching on the replay, do that for sure. And I am taking questions live, but I have one more tip. I know we're already at 48 minutes, so I got to get this in an, under an hour. That's my job. But this bonus tip is something that not every parent's going to be into, but I promise you it does affect every family. And that is to use the moon cycles to understand your child's behavior and try not not get triggered by your child's behavior because here's what happens when the moon is full or depending on where it is if it's in uh, uh in the summertime depending on where you live if you're a US or you know on the western side of the world you northern hemisphere you're going to um you're going to have a lot of extra sunlight the moon is going to be extra charged cuz it's summertime there's a lot of extra energy in the world now and when we have a full moon or a new moon, when there's a lot of energy charged, which it is right now, we've got a new moon this week, and this particular moon is triggering us to own our own uh, our own personality, our own who we are really inside, because it's the Leo moon, and Leo is all about who we are. And if your child has a big personality or a little personality, they're going to really reflect it right now. And if you see changes in your behavior, like all of a sudden your child's real low in energy or real high in energy, check out the moon cycle. You can look it up anywhere online. What cycle of the moon's going on right now? What's happening with the moon? And any basic astrology, you can check anywhere. There's a million astrologers. You'll see a little blurb if you just Google it or look on YouTube for a video about the moon cycle, the current moon cycle. And Look and see what's going on because these moon cycles, the moon's very close to the earth. And when it moves around, things are affected. Even animals spawn with the moon. Humans are affected by the moon. And if your child's behavior looks different, you're seeing some different patterns, then check with what's happening with the moon. It will help you understand your child. So this particular moon that's going on right now is a triggering moon. It's triggering us to know who we are and own it. So we might be challenged by other people where people will so that might mean that your child is extra defensive right now. They're owning their own selves. They're owning their own personality, all of that. And when they are in that mindset, and you are too, you can clash, right? So if you find yourself over the next few days starting to clash with your child, or anytime really... You have to know that sometimes these influences and energies are coming at all of us at the same time. So again, check how you're feeling because you're being, effect being affected by the moon, just like your child. And this way, you'll know maybe what to expect and give your child a little more space. Try not to trigger them if they're doing, you know, if they're doing all kinds of crazy behavior. This could be a time that if you're feeling especially triggered, maybe your child is too. So just take into consideration 
what's going on in the moon cycles when you notice changes in your child's behavior. Because the moon affects our outward appearance to the world and what we think. Our sun is our personality and who we are and all of that. But our moon is how other people see us. So if you see a change in your child in one way or another, positive, negative, more energy, less energy, whatever, Check out the moon cycle and see, maybe it'll help you understand a little bit more. And with language facilitation, when you understand what's going on with your child, where their energy might be, then you know how to get in their zone easier and talk about it. Wow, you're feeling triggered today. It's okay, I'll give you a little more space. Or, wow, you're especially needy today. You want extra cuddles. Okay, I'll give you extra cuddles and maybe the moon's in Pisces. And that's a very warm, emotional moon. And you could say, why is my kid extra cuddly? Oh, that's what's going on. It's amazing how the moon cycles affect our feelings, our moods, our personality, and our behavior. And if your child is affected, so are you, because we're all humans on the planet. So you're going to see the same effects in your coworkers, in your kids' teachers, and all of that. That's why you see all the volatile things going on in the world right now, no matter where you live, there's volatile stuff because this moon has got everybody owning their own personality. And you can pick the personality that you present to the world. You can choose to be angry and forceful and make your child do things because you're very passionate about them doing it. Or you can learn to, I know I'm passionate about it and I want to learn the right way. And that's when you watch a video and you learn tips to catch you out on things that might trip you up. Because everybody makes mistakes and we make mistakes because we're humans. We're triggered by things that happen in the outside world. People do stuff to us, say stuff to us. Um, We lose things. We get things. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. That's our life. And... running through with having some flexibility, riding through these ups and downs, like the waves of communication. That's what we talk about. There's all kinds of waves to ride through this whole journey. And when you're open and honest with yourself, relating to your child's space and providing the words they want to learn, you'll see new language. And I promise when you see new language, you'll feel better. But the trick is to be happy today, every day. Look out for yourself. Look out for your kids. Be safe out there everybody. I know there's a worldwide virus, but there are things we know a lot about how to protect ourselves. So protect yourself, protect your kids, stay home, learn how to teach them at home. This is our time the universe is giving us to be with our families, to learn things together. So my computer just made a noise and that's my ticket to get out of here. So thanks for joining me, everybody. Once again, if you want to learn how to work with me as a client, you can visit Waves of Communication and check out my website. There are tons of free resources. I also have a book and independent study program for those who want to learn independently because parents are the best language facilitators. I don't see kids at all. I only work with parents and the outcomes of my clients are five times better because parents are the best. And you've got 24-7, you can get language facilitation two to three hours a day. And listen, if you learn anything for two to three hours a day with effective strategies, you're bound to make improvement, right? Especially if you're doing it the right way. That's why parents love this process, because you are 100% in control of everything that happens. It fits seamlessly in your life, and I know you can do it. Thanks for listening in today. Please share this podcast episode with anybody you think can benefit. 
And remember, there are tons of resources across my Waves of Communication platform to help you get started today on your language facilitation journey. There's more than 200 free videos on YouTube, a daily blog in my group on Facebook, my book, If It Isn't Fun, It Isn't Fun. Teach Your Child to Talk Faster Than Speech Therapy is available on Amazon and Audible and my coaching programs. And all the details are on my website at wavesofcommunication.com. Of course, I'll be back next week with more information and strategies to help you continue on your language facilitation journey. Bye for now.